Do you hear that? Hear what? The song of the forest. Hey, I can hear it now. That's the wolf girl who sings. The story begins song time ago. For months they made their way across the country. everybody and welcome to the latest episode of fresh cuts i'm mike and with me as always it's mr venom how are you doing venom greetings and salutations fairy tale lovers yes i'm doing pretty good how you doing mike i am doing all right as well it's uh it's springtime here in northern california which means it's still firmly winter in most other places but uh yeah coming off Super Bowl weekend, not quite as good of a game as I was expecting, but I had no dog in that fight. Just was hoping for a good game. <laughs> I remember so little of the game. I, I'm not, you know, people who, for people who know me, you know, they know that I'm not that much of a drinker. I, I enjoy other indulgements uh, in life, but um, man, I, I was so wasted Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I barely watched the game. Like, I, I, I watched it. I was sitting in front of my television. But I'm literally, like, you know, the wife is at work, so I'm literally drinking by myself, smoking by myself, making myself all these wonderful um, little things to eat. I mean, you know, chicken wings and sliders and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I basically had a decadent day. But, man, I drank and smoked so much that I, I vaguely remember the game. Like, I, th- I think the first half was mildly competitive, and then the second half was just, you know, blowout. Yeah, I I think we, as a group, we didn't uh, we didn't have, like, a big party or anything. I just was over at my friend's house, so it was just a really small, small gathering, mostly just family stuff. And I remember, like, the first half, but I don't remember paying attention much after halftime just because... It stopped being competitive, and we were just inebriated. So, yeah, exactly. I think I remember <laughs> three or four commercials, but that's probably about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Also with us, as always, it's Don and Ellie. How are you doing, Don? Uh, there was a sports ball game over the weekend. Pretty sure, yeah. Well, news to me. But, Not uh, that big yeah. a deal. Only 94.5 million people watched it. No biggie. Oh, okay, yeah. So then I must have been one of the 250 million that wasn't, so... There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, great to be here, guys. Always fun to chat with you guys. Cool. Well, we have a new movie to discuss. The name of it is Hunted. It is on Shutter, so for most people it'll be easy to track down. And the synopsis for this one, we're actually going with Rotten Tomatoes last or this time because Venom told me the IMDb one was horrible and not worth looking at. So the synopsis goes as follows. A young woman is trapped in a game of cat and mouse after she meets a charming man at a nightclub. Well, Perfect. yeah. Sweet and to the point. So, Venom, we will kick it to you for general thoughts on Hunted. Um, Overall, this is a fairly color-by-numbers slasher film. You know, a slasher-based-in-the-woods type film. It's not... It's it's not your summer camp based, you know, Jason, Freddy type movies, uh, but, you know, we've got human antagonists, you know, going up uh, against a single female victim. Um, there was some decent suspense, um, a decent little score, if not a little cliche, um, you know, uh, some pretty good chase sequences, not a whole lot of actual kills. I think there's only like maybe two or three in the entire movie, and most of them are off screen, unfortunately. Um, but overall, I thought, um, the things that the movie did right, uh, the performances, I, I thought everyone in the movie did a pretty good job. I didn't have any problems with any, uh, dialogue readings or anything like that. Um, but the thing that really struck me was its cinematography. I, th I thought this movie was actually way better looking than it deserved to be. Um, this movie is a Belgian, uh, a Belgian, French, and Irish co-production. Um, you know, it looks... The, I'm not going to say it's low budget because of just how nice the movie looks. But ultimately, they could have just used like a really nice camera. <laughs> Maybe most of their production money went into their cameras. Um, because the movie looks great. I, I, I like from the very first shot, you know, of the old woman and her son sitting at the campfire all the way to the very last shot of the movie with our, you know, uh, survivor just kind of running through the woods. I, I thought that, that that's like the big thing that I took away from this movie after my two watches this weekend, that it just looks so much better than it deserves to be for such a basic story. Um, back to the story though, it, you know, I, Mike and I have both said this before on multiple podcasts. It's nice to see, uh, filmmakers try new things, but if they're just going to do a color by numbers movie, at least do it correctly. And I feel like this movie for the most part is that I don't have a whole lot of issues with, uh, like I said, character decisions, writing decisions that were made and any of the characterizations of anyone in the film, it's one of those movies that, you know, it's not it's not going to set the world on fire. It's definitely not a top 10 contender, I would imagine, for most people. It's one of those movies that, you know, it, it, it's a fun experience. It's cool to watch. But within a couple of weeks after seeing it, you're probably you'll probably forget how it ended 
you know, you'll forget a lot about it because it's just, you know, it, it's like I said, it's bare bones, very basic, um, nothing too special. Um, I would probably call this um, above average to good because, like I said, there are multiple scenes that I enjoyed. There were a couple of set pieces that I thought were really well done. And then the utilization of the animals in this film I thought was also really cool. Um, that kind of delves into spoiler a little bit. So we'll hold off on talking about how the animals of this forest kind of play a part in this entire story. But I would say that the movie has way more positives than negatives. Um, and most of the negatives are just going to be, like I said, just basic filmmaking, basic storytelling, just nothing really stellar about the story in and of itself. But like I said, it's a short movie. It's 84 minutes. It's a fun ride. Um, I was I wasn't bored at any point. It gets to the action right away. I mean, very quickly. Within ten minutes, our female protagonist is already in in a perilous situation. So, um, you know, it gets to the action quick. The pacing is nice once it gets there. You know, we meet some interesting characters throughout this chase. We meet some shitty characters in the third act. Uh, I'll get into why I call them shitty characters. It's just a, a personal thing of mine, but. Overall, fun movie, above average. Um, it's not anything that I would recommend someone watch right away. Like, oh, you need to watch this right away by any stretch. But it is still something that I feel should be watched. It's 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 going to be better than, I would say, at least half the horror movies that are released in 2021. So check it out. You know, um, like I said, short, to the point. Uh, another nice thing about the movie, too, is that within 20 minutes, if you're not invested in some way, shape or form, it, it, it's not a problem to walk away from the movie. You know, it, it's not like you're missing all that much. Um, and and the nice thing about the movie is that it sets up the antagonist so quickly that you'll kind of already have an idea if you're getting into the story or not by like the 15, 20 minute mark, like I said, so. Um, if you, if you like the first 15, 20 minutes, you'll like the rest of the movie for the most part. Um, very satisfying ending in, on my, on my behalf, I was very satisfied with the ending, if not a little confused about the final shot and what it actually represented. I'm sure my co-hosts here will have their thoughts on what that final shot actually means to them or what it meant to the greater scope of the film. But yeah. Overall, above average, and a mild recommend from me. Okay. Uh, let's go over to Dawn for general thoughts. Uh, I'm kind of right there with Venom. Um, I, it's not the worst thing I've seen this year, but it's also not as gr not that great. Um, like you said, it's pretty much the, you know, woman chase through the woods kind of a thing. Um, I, I'm really starting to get tired of that trope. Um, I've seen like six or seven films that were released just this last year with that kind of a setup. So I, I, I'm really kind of, I hate to say it, I'm really kind of starting to fall away from that kind of a style. So it's really not interesting. And uh, I'm really trying to wrap my head around the, the storyline here because I understand that this is, you know, a parable about, you know, female empowerment and female you know, you know, women rising up against, you know, the brutality of men and, you know, all of the animal allegories that Venom alluded to are a big part of that. But nothing's really done creatively with it. Nothing really is, you know, all that impressive with what it's done. You know, women need 
they band together and embrace their inner warrior to battle the you know the brutality of men. Wow, how original! You know, not anything all that you know. You couldn't have you couldn't have done that you know fifty thousand other ways, and instead you chose to do it in one of the most ham-fisted and cliched ways you know imaginable. Bravo! But yeah, <laughs> you know, in spite of all that, in spite of all that, you know, it, there is an enjoyable you know there is an enjoyment to it. You know, the pace is zippy. It's brutal when it gets going. Uh, you know, it looks absolutely incredible. Like you said, uh, I would never have guessed that this was as low a budget as it is. Because it just looks far better than what it, you know, it, it, it it's quite impressive and really you know, dynamic, I guess, if that's the proper word. Um, and, you know, like I said, you can very easily draw a lot of uh, parables because of, you know, the way the storyline plays out. You know, I'm not going to be spoiling anything by saying that there's a very, very, very heavy um, little writing hood allegory running throughout here which I, I think we've probably even mentioned if we haven't but uh it's not not the worst thing i've seen like i said but it's just uh, it's not grabbing me the way i i think a lot of people will so mm-hmm. uh, i'm right there with the venom uh you know you could do worse but if you want me to say if it's a definitive must watch or not i'm gonna give you a meh <laughs> Okay. So, oh, sorry. I thought you no, were... I was, I was going to say, yeah, that's actually my final thoughts. All right. Uh, so as far as I go, I I liked it. I it, I actually liked it a little bit more than I was expecting. This this one's been sitting on Shutter for, what, about a month now? Mm-hmm. And the initial kind of reaction, I haven't heard a ton of people uh, review this or even talk about it, but the few reactions I did kind of, it didn't scare me off from watching it completely because I'm going to watch it regardless. But sometimes it, it'll it knock, uh, uh, like, your your priority watching list. It'll move it kind of down. So mm-hmm. we got, you know, we ended up doing other uh, movies, even though this one was kind of sitting here eligible to be done. Um, but I got to say, overall, I, I liked it. I, I agree with everything said so far. It's a simple premise. Uh, uh, it's not necessarily anything new anything you haven't seen before if i had to compare it to something from last year um the the movie alone mm-hmm. kind of similar deal us uh, you know a, a premise that we've seen before and it's really going to come down to what you thought about the acting and you know how the movie looked uh maybe how the plot unfolded now alone ended up making my top 10 so I'm not going to go as far as say, you know, it's way too early in the year to say hunted. Oh, I I thought it was that good. I I don't think it was as good as that. Um, But I, you know, I thought the movie looked beautiful. Like you guys said, whatever cameras they were using, I love like just the shots in the woods, uh, you know, different aspects of nature Mm -hmm. and the force it gave the good kind of feeling of being lost in the woods uh it was a quick watch a minimal cast uh, you know they didn't try to get too elaborate with the story i, I felt like they un- kind of understood you know let's keep it simple let's not try to get overly ambitious um i thought uh a couple of the kills were pretty good like 
I, I think it's just one of those movies where it's a small, simple movie, but it still ended up better than I expected coming out of it. So I, I end up with the, you know, an overall above average grade saying I, I found it enjoyable. You know, is it going to be something I remember in five years that probably not, or, you know, it'll be a, a, in the mix with a bunch of similar type movies. Uh, but you know, for, for the person, purpose of this show and reviewing it after only seeing it once or twice uh i would say you know i, I would recommend it it's it, it's not going to be you know with some of the movies coming out shortly yeah i'm not going to say you have to run out and see this one now but i would still say go see it it's it's sitting there right on shutter so it's like you it, it's not going to be difficult to track down or it's not you know something you're going to hear about and not be able to see for a while it's there it's ready to be watched and like i said i think it was what 84 minutes quick yeah it's short it, i thought it was paced well too like once you get going in this movie you know once we kind of get to our main location i felt it kind of flew by and i actually like when i got to the movie i rewound it some because i was like wow it's already the end is like, did I miss something? And then I realized, no, no, the, the running time is just that compact. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I liked it. Uh, I thought the characters were good. Uh, the, the main kind of protagonist, you know, he was a nice slime ball creep guy or excuse me, antagonist. Um, there is one scene we'll get, uh, to once we get to, to the spoiler walkthrough, that was, <laughs> pretty like I don't even know the word to describe it, but it was it was pretty uh, like jarring um, the, uh, sequence. But uh, don't want to get into that just yet. But I'll just leave it off saying, yeah, I I liked Hunted. I um, yeah. I was satisfied with it. Yeah, it's weird. It's an it's an unextraordinary movie with extraordinary cinematography. Um, and I, I even wrote it in my notes multiple times that the nighttime cinematography out in the woods looks great. Like even though a majority of this movie takes place at night in unlit woods, only lit by moonlight, I never had any problem seeing what was going on. I, it's not like I couldn't tell who was chasing who, what was going on. Um, I, I just thought it was really, really well done from a filmmaking standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint. It's just basic i mean basic is like the most complimentary thing i could say about it uh, as far as its storytelling goes but as far as um as i've already said the cinematography the performances like i said um i watched it again today and i have zero issue with the performances i know i'm the guy who's always trying to interject logic into these movies um getting pissed off at poor decision making by you know protagonists in these films but Ultimately, I didn't really have a major issue with any of the decisions that Eve made in this film. I mean, she was in she was in a no-win situation for most of the movie. So, you know, she did what she could. She's unarmed. She's a petite little French woman. So it's not like, you know, she even is a mixed martial artist or anything like that. So, um, you know, I the point is, is that at no point did I roll my eyes uh, because of a decision that a character in the film made. So... It all worked for me from a realism standpoint, and, and obviously there is going to be some suspension of disbelief, especially once we get into the deeper part of the film and start talking more about the animal, the role of the animals play in this film. Uh, might start getting into the mystical or supernatural a little bit, but this is still solidly grounded in reality, and you know, 
whether that's a plus or a minus for you, you know, take it as you will. But yeah, like I said, an extraordinary film with some extraordinary elements in there. So, you know, take that as you will. I couldn't have said it better. So, <laughs> yep, I agree. And I, you know, it's one of those ones because it's a pretty simple plot and how things play out. It's hard to really give too much detail without spoiling stuff. Cause there's not much to peel back before you're like giving away. So exactly. just save it for, and we get a, we get a uh, nice little piece of animation early in the film for, you know, people like me, fans of animation. It's not, again, it's not stellar animation. It's, it's actually, kind of silhouetted actual filmed humans but over animated backgrounds so it just gives it that kind of i don't know fantastical look to it which i enjoyed and i did enjoy the actual story that they were telling during that little flashback scene um you know it's the opening scene of the film where you know the old woman is telling her son a story about a quote-unquote wolf girl um, I won't get into it any more than that until we get to the spoiler section. But yeah, I just I I, I thought it started out well. You know, I, I like movies that open up with a legend or a backstory like right away, especially in a campfire setting that almost always works for us. Um, but yeah, it just it's once it gets to the meat of the slasher part of the film, it, it's just you know color by numbers nothing too special but at least it's not bad that's the nice thing you're, you're not getting a bad movie here um like i've already said it's like above average to good you know depending on your sensibility and you know how you like these types of movies but i still say it's worth seeing i'm just gonna say like i said it's not a high recommend it's not something that you need to see though i do agree with mike that if we start getting into the beefier part of the year and we start getting more horror releases, this is going to get forgotten. So if you have Shutter, or if you have access to a Shutter account, and you've got a spare 84 minutes, and you want to you know, throw a, a 2021 watch in, you could do a lot worse than The Hunted. But, you know, there's... Even having said that, there's still, you know, a lot of good 2021 stuff on Shutter, specifically, you know, Queen of Black Magic, which we reviewed last week. Um... But still, you know, if you don't like subtitles, you know, despite this movie being a Belgian, uh, French and Irish co-production, the movie is 100 percent in English. So that's kind of nice. But the movie still has a very European sensibility to it. Anybody who's spent any time in Europe, I I think you're going to feel that right away. It definitely feels like especially, you know, early on the, the bar scene, you know, very much like something you'd find in downtown paris or in london or something like that so um so yeah that's probably all i have for uh, general thoughts if uh if you guys don't have anything else we can go on to the walkthrough yeah i'm good same here all right so again this is hunted 2021 not the hunted i, I only point that out because there's about a dozen movies called the hunted and there's about a dozen movies called Hunted that have ever existed. So at the very least, you know the correct title that you're looking for. So now you just got to look through a dozen movies instead of 24. So a small favor for you. So, yeah, no article on this one, just Hunted. So our movie opens up with an older woman and a young boy. Uh, turns out they are mother and son. They are sitting at a campfire. And the mother just starts telling uh, the boy a story about 
a wolf girl. That's what he, she calls it, the wolf girl. At no point is the word is the title Little Red Riding Hood used in this film, but it is still very obviously a, a loose interpretation of uh, Little Red Riding Hood. So uh, keep that in mind. So uh, the old woman tells a story about a holy man named Nicodemus. Uh, cool, cool use of the name for uh, fans of um, The Secret of Nim, which I absolutely am. So uh, we get a holy man named Nicodemus who um, basically builds a follower base of a few hundred people. They go on a pilgrimage through these uh, woods. While they're in the woods, the group, you know, suffers, uh, you know, malnutrition from starving. They suffer from disease and everything else. And they start basically just dying. This is the animated sequence, by the way, that I spoke of earlier. So all, all of this is being told uh, as, an anim- as an animation. So um, as I said, uh, Nicodemus's followers are, you know, basically just dropping dead as they're traveling through the woods. Uh, and then they come across a farm girl, just a girl living by herself in the woods, you know, not bothering anybody. And literally, uh, Nicodemus, the holy man, just decides that we are that the people that in his group that are still left alive and himself are going to eat this farm girl. Yeah, they just make the decision that they're going to eat this woman. Um, she obviously protests. Uh, Nicodemus basically says, uh, you know, shut up and do your uh, do your good for the Lord. You're doing the Lord's work by giving us sustenance. So just pray for your salvation so we can get on with it. Uh, the girl ends up kneeling and praying, but in her prayer, she actually starts singing. Um, and the old woman relays the story that uh, the girl singing actually gets the attention of all the animals in the woods. And for whatever reason, the animals in these woods protect the innocent. This girl, obviously, innocent farm girl, not bothering anybody. Um, as uh, Nicodemus raises his knife to stab the girl and, you know, kill her, uh, a wolf grabs him and, you know, disarms him. At that moment, all of the, his followers that are still left alive, they all run off. Um, and then Nicodemus kind of looks up and sees the girl on top of a giant wolf riding it like, you know, like a beast of burden. And he instantly accuses her of being a witch, uh, says that you can control the animals because you have lied with Beelzebub, blah, blah, blah. You know, your, your basic stupid religious zealot garbage that they spit out when, you know, a woman stands up to them. And, um... At that point, the, the woman says a very awesome line, and that line is, the company of wolves is better than that of men. And at that moment, her wolf kills Nicodemus, and that's the end of our animation. Um, basically just setting up the story that this is a loose, inter- you know, a little Red Riding Hood type interpretation, even though in the backstory that the old woman tells, it's not the huntsman that saves red from the wolf it's the wolf that saves red from uh the huntsman in this case the holy man nicodemus so you know is this is this going to be a parallel or a foreshadow to the rest of this movie well let's find out so in our next scene uh we meet eve eve is like i said earlier this a petite little french woman uh she works as a construction supervisor we see her uh, just for like a few seconds on the site where she is working, they are building new homes. 
and she receives a phone call from her supervisor back in the States. I'm not sure where they are in this movie. They never actually give us like a city, state, region, anything. Um, but she's on the phone. She's on a video call with her supervisor. Her supervisor is admonishing her because the crew is behind schedule um, on the construction. He, uh, you know then takes the opportunity to mansplain to Eve, you know, why they need to get this work done by a certain date, blah, blah, blah. He offers to send uh, one of her male counterparts out there uh, to a sister. She obviously instantly says no, she can handle it. Uh, she ends up hanging up the phone on her boss. Instantly, she ends up getting a call from her boyfriend named Alex uh, but they instantly get into an argument because apparently Alex had called her earlier in the day and she never returned the call. Of course, she didn't return the call because she was so busy with work, but Alex doesn't seem to be uh, buying that. So they end up uh, getting into a little bit of a spat over the phone and, you know, she ends up just going back to her hotel room. That night, while she's in her hotel room, uh, she's getting multiple phone calls and texts from Alex but she, you can see on her face that she just has no interest in speaking to this person right now. So she ends up uh, getting dressed and leaving the hotel room and going to a bar. She finds a bar, a kind of a nightclub type bar. You know, there's a, it, the real dark lighting and loud music, you know, dance floor in the middle, blah, blah, blah. Uh, while she's there, she's hit on by, you know, just your average swarmy drunk guy trying to, you know, initiate sex with her. She uh, basically verbally fights him off, and then we meet a guy who, in the credits, he's actually credited as the guy. So I'm going to be calling this guy the guy throughout this entire walkthrough. Realize that I'm talking about our main antagonist. He does not get a name. At no point in the film uh, does, he actually, does anybody call him by name. So he's just the guy. The guy ends up... Um, talking to the first guy that was hitting on Eve. He whispers something in his ear, and the guy just kind of shuffles off, almost like, not scared, but like, you know, something that, whatever the guy just told them was very off-putting, and he just walked away without even looking back at Eve. So, Lord knows what, uh, what the guy actually said to him, but, you know, it's probably something awful. At that point, Eve thanks him for his help, and he buys her a drink. Uh, the next few minutes is basically just them drinking, dancing on the dance floor. Uh, eventually, they go outside to smoke a cigarette. They end up uh, making out. They start making out a little bit. Uh, they end up in the back of his car, and um, they're making out there. Suddenly, um, oh, and I also forgot to mention that the guy isn't alone. He's with someone who in the credits is called the accomplice. But this guy, actually, we do get his name because uh, the guy, uh, the, the ringleader in this whole thing, actually calls him Andy multiple times throughout the film. So uh, basically, he, when he first introduces himself to Eve in the bar, he tells Eve that Andy is his brother and that he's visiting and they're, you know, they're just out looking for a good time, blah, 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 blah. So, like I said, they're back out in the guy's car. They're both in the back seat making out. Suddenly, Andy goes in the car, jumps into the driver's seat, locks all the doors, and takes off. They start driving away. Obviously, Eve is instantly, you know, freaking out. What is going on? Where are you taking me? 
Uh, the guy implies that, oh, you know, we're just going to go back to my place, have a drink, and then all three of us are going to have some fun. Like, he's basically already, you know, thinking that he's going to get a three-way out of this. And she obviously is turned off instantly, starts yelling at them to pull over. Finally, they relent. They pull over and they drop her off at the side of the road near a service station, a gas station. Um, but before they uh, pull away, they actually back up and we see the guy in the back seat holding a video camera. And he's you know, recording the girl as they back up past her. And then they then they put it back into drive and they drive by her again with the guy still filming Eve and, you know, making lewd uh, gestures. And, you know, she flips them off. And that's the end of that. So we think at this point, Eve walks over to the service station that's right there. Uh, she asks the clerk inside the service station if she can use the phone to get a taxi. Uh, the clerk laughs and says, you're there's no way you're going to get a taxi this late at night. Um, but he does offer, he basically says, but we're going to be closing up in about 15, 20 minutes, and I can drive you back into town if that's all you need. She accepts. Um, this is one of the things, th this might be one of the decisions where I was a little iffy on. Like, I didn't understand why she didn't just call the cops. Like, once the guy tells her, you're not going to get a taxi out here at this time of night, why didn't she just say, okay, well, I need to call the police then? Um, but she does not. She thinks that she's safe. Um, the clerk then goes to do his closing procedures. He, he goes to take out the garbage. While he's taking out the garbage, we see a certain vehicle pull into the gas station. Yes, the exact same vehicle that just, uh, you know, tried to kidnap Eve. We see the car pull up, but we don't see anybody actually walk into the store. And Eve doesn't see. She doesn't notice the car pull up. She, it's happening behind her back. Um, the guy then scares her in the store. He actually, like, you know, from, from across uh, another aisle, he, he's playing with her, you know, um, with, a, with a stuffed animal, basically giving the stuffed animal a voice saying, hey, I just want to have fun. Somehow, you know, he's still trying to convince her somehow to go along with him and his quote-unquote brother, uh, you know, to go have some fun. The store clerk then walks back inside and asks Eve, hey, are you okay? Is this guy bothering you? Um, this was another decision that I wasn't real happy with Eve. Rather than saying right away, hey, this guy was trying to kidnap me earlier, she doesn't say anything. And the guy actually looks at the clerk and says, oh, I'm sorry, me and my girl were having an argument and she doesn't really want to talk to me right now. Um, but again, Eve doesn't correct them. She doesn't say, no, stop lying. You just tried to kidnap me. No, she just lets them yeah. keep going with that story. Um, yeah, if, if, there was, if there was one point in the movie where I thought she had a plausible out for yeah to, you know, for the events that were happening, that was the one part of the movie I was like, well, wait a minute. If you, you kind of just let the situation yeah happen and i and i'm not saying anything's her fault necessarily in the context no, no, no. of the overall story but i don't understand why she didn't at least try to say hey this guy's because it kind of remind me in alone where when they ran into the hunter and she she aggressively tried to convince him that she was in trouble it's just that the the antagonist like outwitted the situation but in this one she really didn't even say anything to counter right. the false narrative that was being said. 
The only thing I could figure is that she was in shock. She was in shock that these two guys tried to kidnap her and let her get away, and now they're back at the gas station. Like I said, I think she was just kind of dumbstruck with the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's the only thing that I can come up with. I'm trying to defend the girl because, like I said, for the for the majority of the film, she's great. She makes great decisions. She does what needs to be done to survive, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, this entire interaction in the service station with the clerk is a little questionable. But, again, like I said, I'm just going to chalk it up to shock more than anything. I'm not saying that I like it or that I agree with it. I'm just trying to justify it somehow in my own head so that I don't end up hating the scene. So, anyway, um, at this point, the guy tells the clerk, well, I just need to make a phone call and get a ride because, you know, she's not going to take me home now, blah, blah, blah. Um, the clerk tells him where the phone is. It's in the back near the bathrooms. Uh, the guy goes back there to make the phone call. Uh, the clerk can still see that the girl is kind of shaken up and nervous. So the clerk decides to go back there to make sure, you know, to see that the guy's using the phone, doing whatever. And this is what this is what I assume is the first of our off-screen kills because um, the clerk goes back there. We see the door shake a little bit. It's like a, a one of those double doors that you just push open. We see the door shake a little bit, and then the guy comes out, and we never see the clerk come back out. And based on the way that these guys uh, relentlessly hunted this girl, and even later in the film make a point of, uh, we can't let her go because she saw our faces, we, we can probably make the assumption that the clerk is dead. Because, again, the clerk saw the guy's face, so even though he never saw Andy's face, because he's still out in the car... He did see that guy's face. So based on all that, we can make the assumption that he killed the clerk, but we don't even get to hear it. We definitely don't get to see it. It just happens. And that's the end of it. He ends up uh, taking Eve outside, walking her outside. She obviously is just dumbfounded by the whole thing. Uh, You could see the look in her face of just absolute shock and awe uh, of the whole thing. Uh, They get back outside and they want her instead of climbing into the back seat, they want her in the trunk. And, of course, she refuses to go in the trunk. And then out of nowhere, um, some um, the guy hits her with something in the back of the head, knocks her out. And when she comes to, she is tied up and in the trunk of the car. Now, at this, at, uh, at this moment, uh, let's see. The two men are in the car and they're just having like a little back and forth. Andy, the accomplice, talks about how, you know, he doesn't feel right about doing this, blah, 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 that she doesn't that maybe she doesn't deserve this. Uh, The guy who is now driving instantly stops the car, pulls over to the side and just starts admonishing Andy. What are you talking about? Everybody gets cold feet. Are you just worried that you're not going to be able to perform? Uh, And then with that, he pulls out a pack of Viagra and hands it to Andy and says, see here. Now you'll be able to perform. No problem. Andy just kind of puts a fake smile on his face. You can tell that Andy is not 100% behind everything that's going on. He's just kind of a pawn um, for the guy. But um, And then while they're in the front seat talking, uh, Eve's phone rings in the back seat, in the trunk, excuse me. Uh, the phone is still with her in the trunk. The guys up front are listening to music, so they can't hear that her phone rings. Um, like I said, she's tied up. Her hands are duct. Her hands um, and mouth are duct taped. 
and she she somehow is able to get the phone out of her pocket and slide it up to her face so that she can use her nose to answer the call. As it turns out, the call is coming from her mother. She is able to slide the thing over so that she can answer the call, but her, like I said, her mouth is taped shut. So all she can do is just into the phone. Her mother doesn't understand what's going on. She, her mother, I don't even think was aware that she was talking to Eve because how can you even recognize somebody squeals? Um, and then something weird happens. This is where we start to kind of see a little bit of a supernatural element come into it. Uh, at this point, we see a warthog, just a random warthog, suddenly start chasing the car, but not like chasing the car from behind. Like, like he's in the woods and he's trying to intercept the car. So he's basically cutting through the woods, trying to get to the road in front of the car. Um, eventually, the warthog comes out of the woods and starts standing right in front of the road, right in the middle of the road. Um, at this point, the guys in the front seat are having a really odd conversation uh, because Andy is still, you know, kind of standoffish and doesn't really want to do what's going on. The guy then tells Andy, I love you, man. That's why we do this. Do you love me? And the question takes Andy aback. You can tell that he's like, what? Do I love you? But, you know, a psychopath is driving the car, who's probably armed, and so Andy just gives him the answer that he wants to hear. Yes, yes, of course I love you. And then the guy asks for a kiss. I'm dead serious. Like, nothing that we've seen in this movie would imply that this guy's homosexual. I don't think he is. I think this was just a power move. But, yeah, he basically tells Andy to lean over and kiss him full on the lips. See, I thought that do. at first, too. Yeah. That it was more like a power thing, but then something happens later that I'm like questioning, like maybe yeah, there I'll is some repression going on. Because <laughs> I, I mean, every scene with him and Andy is very weird, um, but it is definitely 100% power. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, uh, as of right now, I'm going to say I am 100% sure that the guy is not gay, that this was just his way of lording it over Andy that I'm the fucking boss and you're going to do whatever I say. So anyway, uh, Andy leads over. He relents. He leans over. Uh, he gives the guy a kiss. They are literally kissing full on on the lips and uh, they don't see the warthog until the very last second. And they hit the hog and everything goes black. We don't actually see the accident. Uh, like I said, the movie just goes black. And then when the camera fades back up, the car is in the middle of the road, upside down, completely upside down. And then we, we hear banging. And obviously we can tell that it's Eve in the trunk trying to get out. She does eventually get the trunk door open, uh, you know, by kicking it with her legs. She falls out of the car. Um, you know, her, her legs aren't tied up, so she's able to get up and walk around. And then, and then she walks over to see if Andy and the guy are, you know, dead if they're still alive whatever the case may be um as she bends over to look down into the car because remember the, remember the car is upside down right now she bends over to look into the car and at that exact moment the guy in the passenger seat or in the driver's seat excuse me opens his eyes and she instantly freaks out and uh starts running into the woods um at that point, uh, the guy is able to get out of the car, but Andy says that there's something stuck in his belly. 
and then the camera pans over and shows that Andy has been impaled on something. I'm not 100% sure what, but some part of the car broke off and is now sticking out of his belly. So he is going to have a nice large gash there. I um, looked like it was part of the windshield. Was it might have yeah. I, I could see that, yeah, definitely. Um, so anyway, at that moment, the guy pulls out a can of gas can of gasoline out of uh, from the trunk of the car and starts dousing the car in gas with Andy still in it. Andy then, you know, starts yelling out, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, the guy just basically says, I'm covering our tracks, you know. And then literally uh, the guy finishes dousing the car with the full can of gas and then he lights a cigarette as he's lighting a cigarette, Andy is finally able to free himself from whatever he's impaled on, and he's able to get out of the car literally the instant, or maybe not the instant, but literally a few seconds before uh, the guy throws his lit cigarette at the car and it goes up in flames. So was the guy intending on burning Andy with the car? Your guess is as good as mine, but I think he was. But, you know, like I said, a- a- Andy... At this point in the movie, we're like 15 minutes in, and Andy has definitely been shown to be kind of that wishy-washy kind of goofball character, um, but not funny at all. You know, he's not—he's definitely not the comic relief. Our main antagonist is definitely uh, the comic relief of the film, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, so... Um, now, there's going to be a lot of scenes, and I mean a lot of scenes, of the guys just chasing Eve through the woods. I'm not going to go over every single one of them, because there's literally like six or seven of these scenes where they cross paths, and then they just start the chase continues, blah, blah, blah. So, I will say, this time, um, right after the accident, the men finally get out of the car, they start chasing Eve. Mind you, Eve's hands are still tied, are still zip-tied, uh, not zip-tied, excuse me, uh, duct-taped together. Uh, she's running as, as fast as she can, but obviously the guy and Andy are able to catch up to her, and they finally get to her, and they have her trapped on a cliff. Uh, so there's basically nothing behind her but, the, but a cliff and the sound of water. Um, and, uh, the guy smiles because he thinks, okay, okay, we got her. She's not getting away now. And yeah, she does the awesome thing of just jumping right off the cliff. Hands tied, mouth taped, everything. Just jumps off the cliff right into the river below the cliff. I'm not sure how long of a fall that was because we don't get like a full on shot. We just see her kind of let herself fall off the cliff. And then we hear the splash. So, um, the two guys obviously are pissed off because she gets away and they decide to, you know, go around the cliff to try to find her. Uh, then we see Eve pulling herself out of the river. She's now completely soaked. It's nighttime. And suddenly as she's standing there, just, or sitting there, just trying to figure out what she's going to do. She does eventually get the tape off her hands using a rock. You know, she kind of just, you know is able to saw it off and then she pulls the tape off her mouth as she does that a deer a very large deer walks right up to her and just sits right next to her like lays lays down in the loaf position uh cat owners know what the loaf position is uh but basically the deer just sits right next to her and she ends up embracing the deer and falling asleep on top of it and i, I thought that was really cool that the deer 
kind of showed up both to protect her and as a source of warmth, because who knows if she even survives the night completely soaked in cold water and they're in the middle of the woods, Lord knows where. There's no snow on the ground or nothing, but everybody is dressed fairly warm. You know what I mean? No one's wearing shorts and T-shirts. Everybody's got coats on and jeans and everything else. So, um, But I, ju I just thought that was really cool symbolism of the deer just walking up, sitting next to her, and she just, like I said, falls asleep right on top of him. Uh, the scene fades out, and suddenly it's the next morning. Eve wakes up, and the deer is gone. But she is now, you know, dry and rested, so she can, you know, go back to trying to escape these woods. At that moment, um, or should I say before the next morning, I'm sorry, uh, while she's sleeping on the deer, suddenly we see video footage of something, of basically a, a, a voice that we're already very familiar with, the guy, speaking to another girl, a pretty brunette, that is also in the back seat of his car. Um, and then it's kind of... It's kind of the same thing, but a little bit different as far as what happens to Eve, because in this situation, he's making out with the girl. He's asking her like sexy questions like, you know, what what's your best skill or talent or whatever. And then suddenly out of nowhere, uh, the guy slaps her, just slaps her right in the face. And she starts crying and says, I want to go. I want to leave. Then the camera pans back and very reminiscent of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer we now see that the, that the guy and Andy are actually watching this footage on their video camera, on the LED. Um, they're just, they're, they're watching it, you know, just like Henry and Otis were in uh, the Portrait of a Serial Killer, just kind of admiring their work, if you will. Um, anyway, and we do see Andy in the footage. Uh, we actually do see footage where they end up taking the girl to an isolated location, not the woods, but it looks like maybe the basement of a warehouse or something or an abandoned building, whatever. She is tied up and on her knees. Um, it looks like Andy has just finished raping her. And this is when we find out Andy's name for the first time, because he actually calls him Andy. He actually says, Andy, you know, let's go. We got to finish this up, blah, blah, blah. Um, so now, like I said, Eve wakes up the next morning, dry, rested. Uh, she, uh, she goes to the bathroom, she urinates. Um, she finds, as she's urinating, she finds some berries, some blueberries on the vine right there next to her. And then she just starts eating it. And, um, obviously the first thing I'm thinking of is, oh shit, are those edible? Are those poisonous? But they look like, definitely, they just look like blueberries, she eats them, nothing happens, uh, and then the chase continues. Um, we then see the guys. Uh, the guys are also continuing to chase Eve, and Andy is complaining about the stomach wound that he has, uh, that he got from the car accident. It's slowing him down so that he's not able to catch up with the guy. Um, Andy ends up lifting his shirt to expose a nasty, like, five, six-inch gash not just a slice, but a full-on gash that's still bleeding pretty profusely. And the guy, for some reason, like walks up to Andy and then just starts sticking his finger in the wound, his dirty-ass finger. Like, they show his fingers are all crusty with mud and dirt, and he just sticks his finger right in Andy's wound for no reason. I don't know if that was some kind of sexual thrill or he got off on other people's pain or whatever, but... 
It was just really odd. And then he has the balls to look at Andy and ask, does it hurt? Does this hurt? Me jamming my finger into your fucking open wound, and Andy, I think, of course, screams, I think it's yeah. I think it's just a continuation of the power move from. Oh earlier. yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine just about everything that the guy does to Andy in this movie is just so he can lord it over him, um, just to feel powerful, feel like he is the leader of this, you know, little enterprise that they have going. Okay, so. Um, the guy ends up taping Andy's wound with duct tape, the, the nasty ass gash, uh, that's bleeding on his belly. No, no, uh, no gauze, no clothing, nothing, just straight duct tape, just tapes it with duct tape and then just, uh, tells Andy, see, good as new. We didn't have to go to the hospital. Andy, of course, has a look like, fuck you, but you know, what are they going to, what's he going to do? So. Uh, the men continue their search. They end up stopping at a river to kind of just cool off and wash their face, blah, blah, blah. And literally, as dumb luck would have it, Eve walks on the other side of the river and doesn't even notice those two. Eve is in so much of a haze at this point that she just walks. She's walking along the river. She walks right by them and doesn't see them, but they see her and the chase continues. Um, she gets away once again after throwing a boulder, a big ass rock right at Andy's face. Basically they're chasing her up a hill. She picks up this large rock and Andy is the one closest to her. She throws it, hits him smack in the center of the, of his face, knocks him right back down the hill. He rolls all the way back. The guy runs right by Andy's body and just keeps chasing the girl. But again, uh, Eve is able to get away. She's able to hide underneath a cliff, uh, underneath like a cliff face, and um, the guy can't find her, so he gets pissed, and he goes back to get Andy. Uh, at this point, he starts just verbally abusing Andy, just saying, you're fucking useless. You know, I don't even know why I bother taking you along with this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Andy snaps. Out of nowhere, Andy jumps on the guy and starts to strangle him, of course, at this moment, I'm cheering for Andy. I'm I'm yelling at him. Yeah, I choked the fucking life out of him. Uh, of course, the guy uses his, uh, you know, his schwarmy, um, whatever you want to call it, his, uh, his attitude, and talks Andy down. Basically, gets Andy to relax, gets him to stop choking him. He starts apologizing to Andy and says, dude, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to call you those things. But then he pulls out his duct tape again, and what he tells Andy he's going to do is, we need to tape that nose. We need to set the nose so that it doesn't heal crooked, uh, so that you don't look ugly the rest of your life. So the guy literally just unwinds the duct tape and starts putting it over right over Andy's nose. Uh, and then he goes around his head one more time and gets the nose one more time, but then suddenly the guy doesn't stop taping. He continues wrapping the tape all the way around Andy's head until his eyes, mouth, and nose are completely covered. Andy is gasping for air. Um, every now and again, he thinks he can see the guy through the tape, and he'll rush him. He'll charge right at him, but then the guy just moves out of the way, and he ends up smashing his head into the tree. Um Finally, the guy is is sick of fucking around with Andy. He pulls out his box cutter that he's had with him the whole movie, 
and unceremoniously slices Andy's throat. This is off-screen kill number two, because even though the guy is on screen, Andy is not. So basically, Andy's throat is slit off-screen. We hear the gurgling and slicing sound effects, but you know that's pretty much it. Andy is done. Um, at this point, Eve covers herself with leaves so that she can sleep safely that evening, which she does. And that evening, while Eve is sleeping, uh, the guy is, continues watching his videos on the camera that he's carrying around with him. Uh, the next morning, Eve wakes up, so it is now the third day. Um, well, the second morning, third day, depending on how you want to look at it, of uh, you know this whole cat and mouse game. Eve wakes up, uh, starts walking around the woods, and she ends up finding a campfire. Uh, she sees the smoke from a campfire from a distance. She ends up walking to the campfire and finds uh, a boy just by himself at the fire. She walks up to him looking for help. Uh, he's wearing headphones, so he can't hear her. And she finally gets his attention. And, you know, he looks up and we realize that it's the boy from earlier, from our opening scene, the old lady and the boy. Um, a few years have gone by because the boy is obviously a little bit older, but you can still kind of tell that it's him. And uh, the, basically, Eve is trying to get the boy's attention. Once she gets the boy's attention, she looks over to the tent and sees a dead body standing there. Instantly, she realizes that something's wrong, but at this point, it's too late. Uh, our, the guy walks up behind her wearing a ghillie suit. And for those who don't know what a ghillie suit is, if you've ever seen like Marines or Army Rangers, well, where they will make a suit of foliage and they literally look like they're the swamp thing walking around just covered in plants. That is a ghillie suit. <laughs> right. uh, so Actually, like said, they look like a piece of the forest floor just like getting up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's great camouflage. It looks uncomfortable as shit to wear, but great camouf camouflage nonetheless. So, uh, like I said, the guy uh, uses a stun gun and he, and he knocks out um, Eve and she passes out. Now, the next scene, this is weird. I, I'm going to tell you this now, but we don't get this in the movie. The next scene is actually a flashback. And once again, just like the complaint that I had made about 10 minutes to midnight with one of their flashback scenes where they don't make it plainly obvious that it's a flashback, same thing here. This one, it's not plainly obvious that it's a flashback. But what we get is the guy is walking around the woods by himself, still looking for Eve, obviously, and he runs into the old woman, uh, the old woman from the opening scene of the film, who is now a little bit older. And um, obviously, you know, Andy is a guy by himself in the middle of the woods, and the, the, this isn't like residential woods. These are like the deep woods. And he comes up with the dumbest story possible. He basically says that he was hiking and walking with his dog, who he claims is named Andy in a very cryptic turn, um, says that his dog Andy ran away and that he... I mean, Andy kind of was his dog, I guess, metaphorically. Well, yeah, metaphorically. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, so he's, uh, he's talking about how he's married, he has a wife... And he was out hiking because uh, he wanted to get away from his wife for a couple of days. He lost his dog and then he lost his own way and that he is currently lost in the woods. 
Now, you can see the look on the old lady's face. She's instantly distrustful of him. Like, who's walking their dog in the middle of the deep-ass woods? Um, but she, you know, she's polite to him. Uh, you know, she says that they have a phone at the campsite that he can use if he needs to call someone. So he follows her back to the campsite. And we see the kid, um, you know, at the campsite and sitting there by himself. His mother comes up behind him. And so now uh, we are at the campsite with three people, the guy and then the mother and son. Um, the son gives the guy his phone so that he can use it to call his wife, which he pretends to do. Um, as soon as he hands the phone back to the boy and says, thank you, you can see the boy unlock his phone and look at it. And he makes a look on his face, you know, a very puzzling look like, you know, something's confusing him. They don't really ever explain it in the film, but I figure the kid looked at his uh, call list sees that the guy never made a call, but he was standing there acting like he was talking to his wife. The guy notices the kid doing this, looking at his phone and making a puzzling look on his face. And he walks up to him and he starts talking to the kid. And he's like, what are you doing? And the kid's like, oh, nothing, playing video games. And the guy starts going, oh, you're looking at porn, huh? And no matter what the kid says, the guy just keeps going, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's not embarrassing. We all like to look at porn. We like to look at women, blah, blah, blah. Um, almost like the guy is trying to put the boy at ease so that the boy doesn't realize that the guy knows what the boy is thinking. It, it, it's, it's another weird play by the guy. Um, so the conversation just ends with him, you know, basically saying, oh, you were looking at porn and just walks away. Um, suddenly they're all eating. All three of them are at the campsite eating. Uh, the boy's got his headphones on. Uh, the mom and the guy are eating. And suddenly the guy gets up for no reason. Just uh, Well, I think what happened was that the woman caught him in a lie. She basically asks him, what breed was your dog? And the guy just kind of says, excuse me? And the lady's like, what breed was your dog? The dog that you were supposedly walking in the woods and you lost. What breed was he? And the guy plays it off and says, oh, I'm not really sure what kind of breed he was. He was just a mutt. I think he called him a bastard in the movie, which is funny. A, a, a canine bastard, but whatever. Um, and, of course, you know, the lady continues her line of questioning, not believing what he's telling her. And he gets up very nonchalantly, walks behind her grabs one of her arrows, starts to sneak up behind the uh, the lady. The boy sees him doing this, and the guy puts his finger across his mouth, you know, to make the shh uh, kind of uh, universal uh, symbol, which confused the hell out of me because this is this guy is walking up behind your mother with an arrow in his hand, and you don't say anything. Um, unfortunately, the guy doesn't give the kid enough time to say anything anyway, and just grabs the old woman and jabs the arrow right into her head. This is probably one of the better kills in the movie. Because we, we don't actually see the arrow go in. But what we do see is the guy continuing to push the arrow in after the initial penetration. And you can actually see the woman's eye 
the eyeball that's on that side of her head, the side that's getting stabbed, start to turn blood red. It's such a cool little yeah. effect. I thought it was awesome. The way um, the, the way she, the kill you know, she done. shivers a little bit and then passes out, or well, dies. <laughs> yeah, the way um, they so, yeah, film the kill is great. Um, yeah, the, easily it, the most satisfying kill in the movie. Yeah. Because once the arrow was in, I think what really brought it home was just him continuing to push it in, the, the effect in the eye. And it almost came off like realistic to where, you know, it wasn't like a huge splatterhouse style kill. It was just visceral, like yeah. the force of having to push the arrow into her skull, <laughs> the you know, the side of her head, skull, all that is... It came off as very unpleasant, as I imagine being murdered via arrow to the side of the head would. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and the sound effects, too. The sound design during these kills are, are all great. The way you can hear the arrow squishing around inside her head as he's pushing it in. It's just really nice effect. Really good work with this. Um. So at this point, so like I said, this is a flashback. This scene actually occurred before the scene where Eve got to the campsite. So this kind of explains how the guy got a ghillie suit and a stun gun and was able to sneak up behind her. So uh, a weird filmmaking choice, but whatever. That's what they went with. Um, so after getting, after getting tased, uh, Eve wakes up and she is tied down at the campsite. Um, you know, she's tied down with a rope and the guy is in front of her filming and he's like, he's basically giving her instructions like he's a director. Come on, baby, smile for the camera, you know, show me what you got, blah, blah, blah. So then he walks over to the boy who's still there, who literally just witnessed his mom die. And the guy starts talking to him and saying, uh, you know, do you want to be my friend? And... The boy obviously doesn't really know how to answer it, but at the same time, he doesn't want to, you know, piss off this guy anymore. So he just says, you know, he just nods his head. Yes, yes, we're friends. Um, very upsetting, you know, scene because, like I said, the boy just witnessed his mother get murdered in front of him. And now he's sitting there gallivanting with the murderer. Um, so, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so, like I said... At this point, um, the guy holding the camera walks up to the boy and he starts uh, a scenario. He basically sets up a scene. Uh, you know, where, I forget the exact specifics of the scene, but basically it's going to end with the boy raping Eve. Um, and the boy obviously doesn't really want to do it at all. And But the guy yells at him. I forget specifically what he says, but he says something that kind of knocks the boy back into reality and he's like okay i got i gotta do this i guess to survive and just as the boy is um approaching eve getting ready to start the little you know rape scenario for the camera a crow lands right on top of the boy's head and i like this because the crow doesn't attack the boy it just lands on his head and i like this because it's almost like the crow is telling the boy look you're still an innocent if you go through with this, I have to kill you. So it's almost like he's telling him, stop now while you're ahead. The boy does stop. He stops moving forward, doesn't really make too much of a deal about the crow landing on his head. The crow's still standing there. And then suddenly the crow attacks the guy. 
uh, just flies right into the guy's head. The guy ends up dropping his camera and dropping it right into the campfire, which does some damage to the camera. Not 100% sure how much damage, but that's the last time that we see the camera in the movie. So the camera got burnt up. Um, so after the bird is done attacking the guy, the guy then tries to, he, he grabs the stun gun and he tries to once again knock out Eve. This time he ends up tripping on the rope that Eve is tied on and he accidentally tases the old lady, the old lady that has an arrow in her head who's on the ground dead. And he ends up tasing her for a long time because he falls down on top of her. And then he actually pushes off of her body with the taser still in his hand and engaged. So she's buzzing this entire time. As the guy gets up, the old lady wakes up. He actually revived her with the stun gun. She gets up, scaring the living shit out of him. She doesn't end up attacking him or anything. Literally, just the sight of her getting up with that arrow still sticking out of her head and walking towards him freaks him out enough that he runs away, um, obviously continuing the chase against Eve because during all the commotion of the old woman reviving, Eve is able to get out of her ropes. Uh, she's able to bite, actually bite through the ropes and get out of there. So like I said, the old uh, with the old lady coming kind of coming back to life for a second, it freaks them out. Um, we then the camera then stays at the campsite. We see the old woman pull the arrow out of her own head, which once again the sound design is amazing. It makes it sound like just one of the most painful things ever. She pulls the arrow out of her head and hands it to her son. Um, it's almost like they have a conversation without exchanging any words. She hands the arrow to her son, gives a little bit of a nod, and then she passes out for the final time. She finally does die. The boy, still staring at the arrow that the mom just handed him, then looks up in the direction that the guy ran away in, and he grabs his mother's arrows and bow and, and starts to chase the guy. So... Uh, the guy continues chasing Eve, the boy, then cha chases after both of them. The guy ends up chasing Eve, um, and he's literally, he hits her, he headbutts her in the nose, so she's on the ground incapacitated, and he literally is about to rape her. He even tells her, I'm, I'm going to fuck you now. Um, and literally, as he's on top of her, about to take his pants off, we hear an arrow just zip through the air and go right into the left side of the guy's chest. Very close to his heart, but probably the arrow probably was above his heart a little bit. So the guy is now there with an arrow completely through him, like it's totally completely through him. And Eve once again gets away. Once again, she runs away and she's able to hide. He, the guy... Um, is now, you know, in the middle of the woods by himself, screaming from the pain. He tries to pull the arrow out, but realizes that he can't do it. He doesn't have the strength to pull it out completely. So what he ends up doing is he slams himself into a tree back first so that it pushes the arrow the rest of the way through his chest. And then he's able to easily pull it out with his uh, right hand. At that point... He is, he starts hallucinating from all the blood loss. He starts seeing things in the woods. 
He starts hearing voices. He thinks he sees Andy. Like, Andy is standing there with a hood over his face. And, you know, the guy is just speaking real cryptic, saying, uh, we're not friends anymore. Don't talk to me. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, uh, the, um, the action on screen is in slow motion, so it gives it that dreamlike state. Uh, there's there's smoke. Uh, I, I guess it's like morning fog or whatever, but uh, yeah, there's smoke that's permeating throughout the woods. Uh, and then once the guy gets the arrow out, he, he seems to almost get like a burst of energy because then he just starts yelling at the top of his lungs to Eve, basically saying, I'm going to get you, bitch. You're not, you're not going to get away from me, blah, blah, blah. At that moment, Eve, in the spot that she's at, she's close enough to him that she can hear his threats and his taunts. And she just starts screaming at the top of her lungs. But it's not a scream of fear. It's, this is literally the hunter has become the prey moment of the film. Because at this point, like I said, she screams at the top of her lungs. The guy thinks that she is screaming out of fear, and he starts laughing. But Eve, you can see Eve, she gets up, and she turns around, and she starts running back to where the guy was. Now, at this point, the guy is still hallucinating. And out of nowhere, and I mean literally out of nowhere, suddenly a paintball game breaks out. And I'm not joking here, people. Like, <laughs> yeah. at first, because, because the action is in slow motion, like I said, I thought that this was going to be like some kind of flashback, that the guy maybe has some kind of military background. Because at first, all we see are guys in, you know, full suits with these big assault rifles. We're not sure what they're doing. They look like soldiers. Um, so, like I said, most people are going to assume that it's some kind of flashback that the guy is having, PTSD or something like that. But then suddenly, one of them fires their gun and a paintball comes out. And suddenly, they all start firing against each other, and it's just paintballs that are coming out. Mind you, this is all still in slow motion. So, I'm like, wait a minute, is this guy hallucinating a paintball match? Like, it, it's a really odd little scene. But, you know, I don't dislike it. it it's just a head-scratcher, definitely. Um, but then suddenly, uh, the smoke breaks, and there's Eve standing, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 feet away from him. He thinks he's still hallucinating. He sees Eve there, but he's like, no, she's not there. He covers his eyes, and when he uncovers his eyes, she's a few more feet closer to him. And then he does it again. He closes his eyes and says, no, she's not really there. Opens his eyes again, and she's a few feet away from him with a big club, a big old stick, branch, whatever, literally about to hit him. And suddenly, she gets shot in the face with a blue paintball. Like, dead on, right on the face. Just gets shot with a paintball. So I guess this is our confirmation that it's not a hallucination. There actually was a paintball match going on, apparently, in this part of the woods that these two finally got to. Um, so for the rest of the movie, Eve is going to have a, a blue paint on her face, but it actually looks really cool because it looks like war paint. Uh, I'm sure many of you have that image in your head of Native Americans wearing their war paint and going off to war. This, you know, she doesn't have the stripes or anything, but it's just blue. Like her whole face is blue, but because it's unusual for her, it looks like war paint. And at this point, like I said, she is on the offensive. She is now the hunter. So she's actually chasing the guy through the woods, and it's the guy who's trying to run away. 
And then this very next part is one is a little spot that made me laugh. Just, you know, another one of my little guilty pleasure chuckles where Eve charges the guy. This is Eve with her blue face charging him in slow motion. He still doesn't think that she's real. He still thinks that it's a hallucination. And then she bashes him right in the fucking face with the club that she's carrying. (laughs) And the guy looks up and says, ow, that hurt. And it almost sounds like he's crying, which instantly my guilty pleasure sensors went up to a thousand. I was laughing so hard to watch this guy who's been victimizing this woman the whole movie. Suddenly she gets an attack on him and he's screaming, it hurts like a five-year-old. Oh my God. I fucking loved it. Uh, so anyway, at this point, um, Let's see, where are we? Um, at this point, they she chases them out of the woods and into a cornfield. I don't know where they are that there's a cornfield adjacent to these giant forest of woods, but there it is. So now they're in a cornfield. Tall, tall corn stalks, of course. They can't see each other. She's chasing him, but then she realizes that she can't hear him because if she's moving, that's all she's going to hear. She's going to hear the stalks that she's... Um, shifting, uh, you know, as she runs by them. So she decides to stop and she kneels down and just waits. And suddenly we see the guy who's doing the exact same thing that she is hiding, uh, just kneeling down uh, below the tall grass. And then finally he gets sick of waiting. So he gets up and he starts running. She instantly hears him, hears where it's coming from and starts to chase up again. At this point, they run out of the cornfield. They're not in the cornfield for very long, literally like a minute. It's not, it's not that long a scene. Uh, they run out of the cornfield, and then they run on to the construction site that she was working on earlier in the movie. Remember earlier in the movie I said that she was a construction supervisor and that she was overlooking construction of some new homes in the area. So now, like I said, it's the end of the film, and they run onto that construction site. So she's going to be a little bit familiar with what's going on on this site. Um, The guy ends up uh, finding a security guard. Should I say a security guard ends up finding him? And, of course, he's trespassing. uh, So the security guard stops him, tells him, you know, what's going on? You know, you can't be here. The guy starts, starts talking about how he's being chased by a crazy woman, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly Eve shows up with her big club still in hand. Good girl. She's not a weapon dropper, so I already like her. Um, But the security guard is standing between Eve and the guy. The guy is on the ground cowering while Eve is trying to hit him with a stick. The security guard is standing in between them. He keeps telling her, which, again, this choice by the security guard really bothers me. You see this big fucking American guy basically in a physical altercation with a petite little French woman. And what does the security guard do? He maces Eve. Fuck you. <laughs> that, that annoyed me, but whatever. Again, um, I understand. I kind of understand why he did it because she was the antagonist in this particular uh, interaction. I, she was the uh, one yeah, was trying I, to get the guy. I think in that, that situation, he, in that situation mm-hmm. where he kind of just had to, react instantly to the situation it's like the the guy is acting kind of somewhat calm and then the woman's 
like charging in almost like she appears to be the crazy one in the situation. So mm-hmm. without much time to react, he's like, uh, okay, I'm just going to get her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he made a judgment call that was a poor one. So we'll leave it mm-hmm. at that. All right. So after the security guard gets maced, um, or excuse me, other way around. After the security guard maces Eve, Eve runs off, you know, half blind because she's got mace in her eyes. And the guy uh, tries to chase after her, but the security guard stops him, says, no, 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 I need you to stay right here. We'll, we'll you know, we'll get her later. Um, the guy ends up grabbing a shovel and smashing it into the security guard's face, breaking his nose, but not killing him. Uh, basically, you know, he knocks down the security guard. The security guard's yelling, you broke my nose, blah, blah, blah. Um and the uh, the guy, you know, after hitting the security guard with the shovel, continues his chase on the girl. Uh, he continues chasing Eve. Now, um, as he's continuing to chase Eve, the security guard ends up going to his van, opening the back of the van door, and it turns out he's a canine unit. He actually has a dog with him. Um, he he opens up the back door of the van, and the dog just shoots out of the van and takes off. Doesn't listen to anything the security guard is saying. The security guard's trying to call the dog to get him back, but the dog's just not having it. Just bolts out of there. The dog um, knows. This, the dog oh, the knows dog what's knows. up. <laughs> hey, dogs are part wolf, so he knows. Um, so at this point, uh, we see a realtor showing one of the model homes uh, to a to a couple, a uh, pregnant woman and a man uh, looking for a new home for their expanding family. The realtor is kind of showing the apartment or house. It, it might be a condo even because it's a it's a big gated community, or at least it will be eventually gated. It's just it's still under construction right now. He's showing this couple the house, and then suddenly Eve runs in to the model house that he's showing uh, the couple. She she walks in, she sees the kitchen sink, instantly realizes that she hasn't had anything to drink in probably a whole day. So she goes up to, to the sink to try to turn it on to get a drink of water. Unfortunately, they're in a model home, so there's no water running in these pipes. Uh, the instant that she realizes that there's no water coming out of the pipes, uh, the guy shows up and he runs into the front door of the model home as well. So now Eve and the guy are literally fighting in front of these three people. And this is what I was saying earlier about these shitty fucking people. They're literally sitting there watching a full-size American male get into a physical altercation with a petite little French woman. And they're just standing there. Literally, there are multiple opportunities for the guy. I understand the woman's pregnant. She's not going to get involved. And the realtor looks like a complete bitch but the husband of the couple he's staring and it it seems like he's gonna interject but he never does he just stands there in front of his wife allowing this petite blonde woman to be assaulted by this man um so anyway they end up all over the house this scene is like a good five ten minutes long they end up fighting in the kitchen they end up fighting in the living room they end up fighting in the upstairs bathroom and then finally the fight ends ends up in one of the bedrooms. And basically um, when they get into the bedroom, uh, the guy has the upper hand on Eve. She's almost out cold. He's beat the shit out of her. And he basically throws her on the bed and once again declares, I'm going to fuck you now. Um, 
And literally, once again, as he is mounting her, about to take off his pants, instead of an arrow flying into his chest, the dog uh, from the security guard van suddenly shows up and bites the man in the hand that he's holding the knife, or his box cutter, uh, the same box cutter he's had the whole movie. Uh, The dog is able to bite his hand hard enough that it disarms him, and the guy is suddenly on the bed, um, shivering in pain and just completely disarmed. And, uh, you know, pretty much the fight is over at this point. And he starts to apologize. This is another thing that I was laughing my ass off at. He starts to apologize to the girl. He's like, I know I've caused you an immense amount of pain this evening, and I regret <laughs> that. I'm sorry. Please, I-, I need to find help. I'll go talk to a therapist. I'll get myself some help. I- I'm laughing. I mean, I'm like laughing out loud to the point that my neighbors could probably hear me laughing at this guy as he's literally pleading for his life from Little Red Riding Hood. She gets on top of him and just starts pummeling him, punching him just over and over and over again. In between every punch, he's still apologizing. I'm sorry. At one point, he even says, I said I'm sorry. What else do you want? I can't fucking believe he had the balls to say that. Finally, um, finally, she's, I don't know if her hand is worn out, but she's finally sick of punching him in the face. And she goes for the kill. She goes to strangle him. Um, You know, I always question in movies when females are able to choke men to death because choking in movies is made to look easy. Okay, you can't choke a human being in 20 or 30 seconds to kill him. You got to choke him for like three or four minutes. Uh, On top of the fact that, you know, as as the person struggles for breath, they're going to kick stronger and you know everything else i'm not trying to be sexist here and saying that a woman can't strangle a man but i'm saying that with everything that this little petite french girl has been through over the last what 36 to 48 hours it's it's a little it's a little bit of a stretch to believe that she can choke him to death but that is exactly what she does she ends up um just choking him to death while the dog that attacked him earlier is just standing there enjoying the show and just before the guy dies, he does something very odd. He actually looks right at Eve and says, I love you. Like out of nowhere. Like all he was saying the whole time was apologizing for everything he had done that whole night. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Over and over again. And with his final breath, he just says, I love you. Which infuriates Eve to the point that she, you know, she tightens her grip on his neck. And then, you know, he takes his final breath and dies and he actually dies with a smile on his face which is really fucking creepy i hate when antagonists die with a smile on their face but there it is um eve has dispatched our wolf if you will our wolf dies smiling and then the last thing that we see and this is the confusing thing that i was talking about earlier during the general thoughts we literally get like a one second shot of well maybe more than one second like a five second shot of Eve running through the woods with a very like animalistic look on her face. Like she looks like she's just a wolf running away and then the movie ends. So I'm not sure if (laughs) I'm not sure if that means little red riding hood has become the big bad wolf herself. I'm sure there's some other, you know, symbolism there that it would take a smarter man than me to explain, but 
there it is. The final shot of the movie, Eve just running randomly into the woods, fade to black, and credits. And that is Hunted 2021. What'd you guys think of that last shot of her? Like, what do you think it actually meant? I don't like, know if it was like a random cut. I don't, it's hard to say if it's just like a metaphorical final cut. I don't know if he's trying to say something larger, like, oh, she's she's out there and she's the wolf now. Like, I don't... It's it's hard to say because it was such a quick cut. And you know what? When, that, when it first happened, I thought we were going to get more of that, like, throughout the credits. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I was expecting that because it just seemed like so random um i mean unless it's like just saying like the events traumatize her so much that she's become like you know permanently somewhat a, a wolf herself but i i don't know it's hard it's it was so minimal that it's hard to even come up with an absolute theory yeah. on what that was all about yeah exactly i don't yeah. know because yeah my I was pretty much i was like where mike is where it's more of you know she's now the hunter ready to prey on, on those that, you know, are worth hunting, so to speak, where she's going to mm-hmm. be like the vigilante that takes care of those that try to hurt others or something, but uh, I mean, yeah, there's just not enough there to say any for certain beyond just making that as a general guess. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, there's definitely an artistic choice there, but you know, it was, it was just a little... I, I'm sure someone has figured it out, or maybe there's an ending explained video on the internet somewhere. Um, but, you know, despite the little bit of confusion with that final shot, it doesn't really take away too much of the enjoyment of this film. Like, all the negative stuff that I've said about this film is stuff that I kind of thought of after watching it. The actual experience of watching the film wasn't bad. Like I said, I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't get pissed off at any character decisions. Um, You know, blah, blah, blah. For the most part, the movie was grounded in reality. Like I said, there is a little bit of that mysticism with the animals being the protectors of the innocent. I don't know if they're trying to, if, if they're trying to say that those woods specifically have animals that protect the innocent, or if it's all animals, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, definitely up to the viewer's interpretation. But I did enjoy the ride, for whatever it's worth. Like I said, watching it the first time, I was never bored. I was never looking at my watch or looking at my phone. It, you know, I was I was engaged the entire time. And and that's a small victory right there. I mean, if, if an 84-minute movie doesn't bore me once and doesn't make me look at my phone or, you know, check my messages or whatever, then, you know, that's a small victory for the, for the film. So, you know, like I said, above average to good, worth watching, definitely don't make it a priority. But if you are like Mike and I, where we're anticipating a lot of the cool horror releases that are coming up in the next couple of months, you might want to watch this now before it gets forgotten. But otherwise you're not really missing too much if you don't see it. Um, and for the most part, if you do watch it, I don't think too many people will hate it. You know, some people, I think a lot of people have the same um, complaint about it just being kind of basic color by numbers, you know, cat and mouse game, the serial killer chasing a single female uh, protagonist through the woods, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, like I said, it does, it's not going to change the world by any stretch, but I still say it is worth watching. So check it out. It's on Shutter. Yeah, I agree. It's it's there, and uh, it's it's uh, good. I mean, I I had fun with it, and uh, I it's a quick watch, if anything, yeah. right? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, if that, that wraps up our thoughts on Hunted, then that's going to wrap up the episode. But let's find out what we all have taken part in, if anything, since last episode. Venom, do you have anything new to report? Um, do I have anything new? I mean, um, the latest episode of In the Mic of Madness is still out there. Uh, the Stephen Kostansky episode where we looked at The Void and Psycho Goreman. Um, what else? Uh, still no new episode of Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Still trying to find a, a day that works for all four hosts to be able to get together. Um, the main show, No More Room in Hell, uh, got postponed this week due to an emergency. So that'll be recording, um, hopefully, if all works out, this Sunday, Valentine's Day. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get that episode out. And like I said, we're going to be looking at Finnish horror on that episode, both new and old. So check that out once it's available. On It's Not Horror OK, the commentary podcast that I do with members of NFW and the Friday Nightmares podcast, uh, we looked at heavy metal, uh, classic, you know, animation, you know, 10 different writers, 10 different directors. You know, I, most people know what you're talking about when you say, you know, the animated movie Heavy Metal. But if you don't, check it out. Um, I'm pretty sure it's available on, like, Amazon Prime for free. So check that out. And then check out our commentary, which should be out later this week. That'll be, once again, on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. Um, oh, and then uh, we're still planning the return of Theme Warriors. Mike and I are still planning on doing that before the end of the month. So look for our first episode in over a year, I think, at this point. Right, Mike? It's been close to a year. I don't even it's, remember our last episode. Yeah, it's got to be close, if not a little bit over, but right around that time, yeah. Because, I mean, we did the fireworks episode for July uh, 2019. <laughs> and I'm not sure if we did anything after that. Uh, that might have been, yeah. yeah. I know. I know we had planned way back the episode yeah. that was going to happen after that but it got delayed so much that i was like let's just do a whole new theme when we return yeah. it's a good theme I, I mean i'm sure we'll return to it it's just for our for our return episode uh the theme that we're using on this one which i'll still keep under my hat for now makes more sense since we've been on such a long hiatus you know this was the theme that made sense so Look out for that. I assume that'll be on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. I assume that Mike has spoken to Phil about that. Mm -hmm. um, so look out for that sometime end of February, beginning of March. Um, and let's see, I've got Mike and I both have a guest spot coming up on 22 Shots of Moods and Horror this week. Uh, where we're going to be looking at some television-based horror, uh, some interesting titles, stuff like Terror Vision and The Video Dead, stuff like that. So look out for that episode probably next week. Um, I believe they're still on Horrorphilia uh, for the remainder uh, until Horrorphilia is completely gone. So check out that episode, I would probably say, next week or the week after. Uh, I'm not sure when they drop those. Um and then I have a I, I personally have another guest spot coming up on the Cut to the Chase podcast with uh, Dan Chase and Lacey Liu. We are going to be looking at uh, what they're doing is that for the month of February, they're doing um, Hitchcock movies. They're, do, they're having different guests on different episodes for Hitchcock movies. 
I will be on the episode that discusses Rope, which is one of my favorite movies ever, if not one of my favorite uh, Hitchcock movies. I absolutely love that movie. Um, so that'll be recorded probably sometime next weekend uh, to be released, I'm sure, shortly after that. And I think that's all I have on my plate right now. All right. Uh, Don, what do you got? Okay, so uh, the last couple of episodes I've been pimping Attack of the Killer podcast. Um, We actually ended up recording it a couple of days after we recorded our last episode, um, Queen of Black Magic. So, uh, yeah, that... That was, uh, for those that um, aren't aware, that was a uh, triple bill of World War II horror films. Was uh, Pan's Labyrinth, Overlord, and Ghost of War. Um, First time watches for me for all three. So that was really fun. Uh, Like Venom, I'm joining Dan and Lacey for their Hitchcock Fest. Um, I have The Birds. So um, that should be out soon and cool. yeah um yeah we're actually recording that tomorrow the the night we're recording this so that's awesome yeah it's weird that yeah it's weird that mine's going first even though rope was filmed first so i don't know yeah why. i'm i'm pretty sure that they did want to do those movies chronologically but unfortunately i am booked solid like this last week i recorded four shows this week I'm recording three shows. Next week I'm recording three shows. So, or no, next week four shows. Uh, no, and this week four shows as well. I forgot about twenty-two shots. So yeah, I've just been, I, I've just been putting myself out there. So they wanted to do the episode I think this past Saturday, um, but I already had plans. We we had planned on doing no more room in hell main show that ended up got it getting postponed, but. That's okay, though, because it gave me an opportunity to go and buy the uh, special edition Blu-ray for Rope, um, because I only had the DVD before, and this Blu-ray has so many cool special features on it, it'll give me a little bit more to talk about on the show. So, So, you know, for whatever it's worth, the show might be a little better since it got postponed. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, like I said, it was just weird that yours was pushed back, even though it was the chronological first film, so... Yeah, but exactly. um, yeah. Other than that, um, just uh, like Venom said, trying to work out underwater kaiju and still waiting on that damn graveyard shit best of 2020 release. I don't know why that's not out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. As far as I go, Venom's pretty much named off everything, and I I believe. I had already announced or mentioned it last episode, but I'll just mention it again. I guessed it on Cinema Beef where we talked about the mechanic and the professional, so that was really fun. It was me, Gary Hill, and Suzanne, who anyone that listens to uh, Burning for Springwood, that's the trio there. Um, so check that out. And yeah, otherwise. Venom named off everything I'm a part of and guesting on, so thank you there, Venom. Um, as far as Fresh Cuts next episode, this one, probably not a surprise because finally the American release after all this time, VOD and uh, theaters, probably drive-ins, wherever they're open. It's uh, No, it's getting a physical release. Well, no. I'll, I think I, 
It's I VOD think... and Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Yeah, are, they, yeah. are they not throwing it in like theaters? No, no theatrical release in no, America. Yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's VOD and physical. They're not doing the. They're not doing um the driving. I could have sworn I saw someone like post on their Instagram at the drive-in, but maybe it's just like a very limited because it is like the L, or I think it was San Diego area, but I, can see I don't that. know. Yeah, I mean, it might it might just be one of those things where like very few places throw it up there the week that it's getting released. Yeah, yeah. But special screener. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't. Yeah, even think I, I guess said what it was. Did I? <laughs> so much, and they already released it in the UK. I think uh, they figured they weren't going to get the dollar amount they were looking for if they did a theatrical release here. So. Yeah. So we get and, physical, but that's okay. We, because I've already seen the movie and I have already pre-ordered my Blu-ray, <laughs> and next week you'll find out why. <laughs> yep, and I'll say right now it's probably going to be another divisive one. Not not necessarily on this show. Yeah. I mean, it might be, but I I it just think in be, general a twenty four movies tend to do that. So yeah, I mean th- this movie does follow the formula of a lot of a two four films like The Witch and Hereditary, where they start out. Very slow. I mean, you can make the argument that it's a character study for the first three quarters of the film. But then when the shit hits the fan, the shit hits the fan. And Mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that. Let's say let's just leave it there because we are going to have what I'm sure will turn into a fairly lengthy show next week because something about a two four films really brings out the chattiness in me. And everyone knows I already love to talk. So then when A24 releases something new, forget it. It's going to be hard to, for Mike and Don to shut me up. So Yeah, and and this <laughs> is also despite the fact that this one is another one that the running time's not another 84 minute movie. Yeah. Yes, that's got to be a first for A24, right? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um all right. Well, yeah. So we already know what we're doing next week. Cool. And I guess with that, we will get the hell out of here. So listeners thank you for checking us out another for another episode we will catch you in a week's time venom dawn say goodnight later have a good night and may cthulhu bless you all peace out